Okay. Good morning to all. So, I have more thoughts on the ever popular and ever current discussions about manhood and womanhood. I would title this Dancing, Gender Roles, and Beauty. And what engendered <laughs> get it, engendered. What engendered this this discussion, this thought process in my head was that for my birthday, my lovely wife got me a CD of Michael Bublé love songs because he's, he's one of our favorites to listen to on, you know, on date night and a DVD series or a, DVD, uh, a video, instructional video for couples dancing. <laughs> and, and this week we tried it out for the first time. We, we popped in the DVD and it was amazing to me. It is not a Christian dance program by any stretch but this guy just by nature of being a dance instructor and uh, he, uh, from what he says it sounds like he's probably some sort of like romance coach i don't know but as far as i can i mean no no references to god scripture anything like that but just from being a dance instructor and a romance coach he's he can see stuff he talks about stuff in such a way that reflects the way God designed men and women to be. So God has built so many parables into the universe, and we just need the eyes to see. I mean, every butterfly is a sermon about the gospel, right? The metamorphosis of the caterpillar into the butterfly, the new creation that comes out at the end of that is a little mini sermon about the gospel. Every sunrise is the story of death and resurrection. That's right. The, the world is, is just full of these. If we have the eyes to see, every seed you plant, what did Jesus say? Unless the seed goes into the ground and dies, then it won't bear fruit. Every seed, you got a garden? That, that's a million resurrection parables in your garden. That's the way God made the world. Dancing is no different. And it's just hilarious to me that it is no different. That, that it's all the way down to dancing. What does dancing say about the way God made the world? So the title of the dance series is Show Her Off. That's the title of the dance series. You may have seen ads for it on Facebook. Um, and it's packed with, with biblical truth in it accidentally. So here's just a couple, a couple thoughts, a couple takeaways from the parable of dancing. And I'm going to give scripture to go with each one because it's not in the Bible. I'm not interested in being a philosopher. And you shouldn't be either. There's a philosopher absent the word of God who just comes up with a lot of really cool ideas. There's no authority there. We're not out to be philosophers who propagate great ideas. We should be in this for the glory of Christ or we should go home. Those are the two options. Without the gospel of Christ changing the heart of man, without the power of God, hang it up. It's all fake. It's all just pointless. But... If we, by the power of the Spirit of God, are proclaiming God's word, growing in Christ, we're going to see his goodness everywhere. And that's how it should be, and it's a glorious thing. Part of the reason I keep thinking about this stuff is because I am trying to consciously build a positive vision 
of what Christian manhood and womanhood look like instead of just a negative reactionary vision of feminism, bad. The women in Hollywood movies, bad. The, the men in Hollywood movies, bad. Our idea of fatherhood and the culture, bad. It's all just bad, 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 bad. And then it's, it's the rules and the legalism and you better not do this and you better not do that. No, 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 no. Jesus, good. God's word, good. And we should love that. We should love Christ. And all of us should be setting our hearts before him, coming in submission to him. And this is just one of many areas where the gospel makes glory. And if we can see the glory, and if we can glow with the glory of Christ, that preaches a sermon that a Pharisee sitting in the corner saying, oh, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad, does not. So, parables from the dance floor. Number one. 1 Corinthians 11, 7. 1 Corinthians 11 is the head covering passage, and I'm not going into head coverings here. I'm zeroing in on one particular verse, where in 1 Corinthians eleven seven 7, it says, Woman is the glory of man. I'm not going into a deep theological exposition of this right now. I don't honestly feel qualified to go into a deep theological exposition of this, but I feel like I see this little facet of it in dancing. The title of the video is Show Her Off. It's not show him off. Because when you watch a dance, who's the focal point? The woman is. Who's, who's dressed beautifully and strikingly? The woman is. Who's wearing a suit in every single dance? Doesn't matter what dance, it's a suit. The guy. Why? Because you don't go to the dance to watch the guy. And it's funny because if you like watch Hollywood musicals, the... The dances that do feature men, where they are the focal point, are almost always incredible acts of athleticism. They'll be like tap dancing at a level of athletic cardio that is just shocking. Or they'll be like jumping on tables and swinging axes. Uh, what's that? Seven Brides for Seven Brothers? Right? They're all like swinging axes and jumping on tables and running around. Why? Because that's man dancing. And if you want to show off your actors, your men, you have to do manly stuff. But your average couple dancing... Your couple's dancing. The lady is the focal point. Why? The woman is the glory of man. Because she's beautiful. We don't want to look at him. He just looks like a dude. Right? I mean. <laughs> and you can see it even in fashion. Right? I mean, the suits versus the dresses. Look at any ceremony. And it's, it's predictable. All the couples walk in. And the guys are all wearing the, basically the same thing. Like, they could, they could all trade their clothes and no one would even notice. They're all just wearing suits. But the ladies, they're, this lady's in an amazing red dress, and this one's in a white dress with a train, and this one's in a blue dress with sequins. Why? The woman is the glory of man. The purpose of the dance is to show her off. She is the focal point, and he is the frame. The guy in the video actually used this analogy. He says, she is the picture, and the man in the dance is the frame. Now, he doesn't make the connection to woman being the glory of man, but it's right there in Scripture. When she looks good, he looks good. Now, you see a, a worldly application of this where you have the guys who dress their women up all inappropriately and walk out and show off, you know, look at, look at what a, a Chad I am because I've got maybe two. I've got two gorgeous babes on my arm. Okay, that's, that's the worldly twisting of this truth. But biblically speaking, when you see a beautiful woman who is playing out biblical femininity, when she looks good, that makes her husband look good. So, that's not to say that man has no other purpose but to make her look good. No, God put Adam in the garden before Eve was even there and gave him a mission. So I'm not talking about the country song, 
ideal of the guy who's just kind of like going through life pining for a woman because he has no purpose other than eventually finding the woman that's going to make him straighten up and fly right and be righteous. That's not the biblical idea of manhood. But there is a biblical principle here where if the man... So, yeah, so his... He does not have... It's not that he has no other purpose but to make her look good. No, he is actually the leader of the dance. But if he leads it well, the radiance of his bride is his crowning glory. And the guy, the dance instructor, I'm probably getting ahead of myself. No, okay, that's point two. Okay, point two, Ephesians 5, 28. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love your wife. Cherish your wife. Your wife is a flower. Help her to bloom. The, we talk a lot about the authority of a husband and the authority of a husband should create a safe place in which his wife can flower and blossom. It should not be a box in which she can only blossom to about this far and then that's it. That's not how it's supposed to be. No, it's supposed to be a haven where she can be fruitful and glorious and safe. So love your wife as Christ loved the church and the application in dancing that this guy, he calls it the dance effect. And his analogy, he's, he's dancing with this lady and then he stops the dance and he walks her up to the camera and he's like, look, look right here. And she just has this big old smile on her face. He's like, this happens every time. And if you're in the middle of a fight, all you got to do is just stop and take your wife and do, do, some, do some spins and dip her. And it'll make her smile. It's the dance effect. Well, thus far for this romance coach, without scripture, right? But there's a biblical principle there. Make your wife smile. Women love to be loved. And so when a man loves and cares for his woman, when a man takes time out of his busy day to go and spin and dip his wife in the kitchen in the middle of the day, you know what I mean by dip. That's when you do the, like, the, well, you dip them. That's, that's what it's called in dancing, okay? So the man who takes the time to do that, what's he, he's caring for her. He's making her smile. He's saying, I love you. That makes her happy. So a husband who is leading properly in a marriage, in the dance of marriage, should be making his wife smile. That should be his desire. That doesn't mean she's always going to like it always going to like every decision he makes no it doesn't mean that the primary goal is well if she's not smiling then i'm failing well there's going to be some stuff she has to work through but the heart of a loving husband is going to desire a wife who glows a wife who's who's happy who's blessed who's joyful so no her happiness is not his guiding principle serving christ is but as he serves christ lovingly and is a good leader in the dance it's usually going to make her smile. It also doesn't mean that her joy is always his responsibility. And if she doesn't have joy, then it's his fault. I mean, maybe. Or maybe she's got something she needs to work through with the Lord. The point, though, is love. The point is seeking her good. And for the wife, if you're not smiling, you do need to ask the question, am I not smiling because I'm not letting the dance effect happen to me? I'm resisting the dance effect. I'm being rebellious to my husband. I don't want to let him lead the, dan- the dance. And if he tries to dip me, I'm going to be dipped like this. Because my heart's not in it. I'm, okay, well, that's on you. 
if, if he's trying before the Lord, you have a responsibility too, to love and respect and honor your husband. So both, both parties have a responsibility, but a good, good emphasis there on the husband's love. And, and, and on her responsibility as well, because it really is a good picture of, I mean, you imagine a woman whose heart is not in the dance, that would also totally ruin the dance, right? If everything she does is stiff as a board because I don't want this person touching me, then who wants to watch that dance, right? So that's Ephesians 5.22. You got both. Wives, be subject to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. When you're doing that together, it's a beautiful dance. If either one of you is not, then nobody wants to watch that. You're not making it past the first round of whatever dancing show you want to watch. Or probably just don't watch. Okay, number three. First Peter 3, 1 to 7. Um, and this is, that's the, First Peter 3, 1 to 7, that's the whole part about wives submitting to their husbands. As Sarah obeyed her husband, calling him Lord, which is something that we have got to be okay with. We did not apologize for what the Bible says. The man is supposed to be the leader of the dance. Why does the secular world say that? Why does this guy who has, as far as I know, no grounding in, in scripture say that? Because that's how dancing is supposed to work. Why? Because that's how God baked it into the universe. That's the, that's the only way it makes sense. And the woman has to follow his lead. Even if he is not a good dancer... And she is a pro, and I'm basically quoting this secular guy in this secular video about dancing. Even if he's not a good dancer and she is a pro, she needs to patiently follow his lead. She, she must not back lead. That's what he called it. She must not back lead the dance or she will destroy it. If she tries to lead from the following position, it just messes everything up. So even if she's better at it than he is, that's not the point. The point is he has to lead the dance. That's a call to, again, both sides. Men, are you leading the dance? Ladies, are you letting your man lead the dance? Even if, even if you're right, or if you think you're right, because you could be wrong too, are you fulfilling your role in, in the combination? Okay. Another one, number four from the same passage. The woman has to trust her partner. Things like dips in a dance. Now listen, listen, to the, listen to the poetic analogies built into this. Things like dips in dancing, that requires the man to carry the weight of the woman. That's a parable. There are big decisions in life where the man has to carry the responsibility of the household. And the woman has to trust her partner or it's going to make the whole thing messy. If he tries to dip her and she doesn't trust him, then what she going to just like brace herself and lock up and like it's going to it's not going to work. And contrarily, on the other side, he better be very careful with what he's doing because if he does it wrong and he drops her, then you've got a problem on the other side, right? She trusted you. you kind of blew it there, man. So the most beautiful, beautiful and satisfying moves in dancing are the ones that require her to trust him with the decision to make that move and the ability to care for her through it. If she doesn't trust him, the move will be awkward and might actually become more dangerous. Okay, number five. 
Another great analogy that this guy uses in the dance video. He says, women come with power steering. And his point was, guys, don't be like yanking her around. That's not what leading the dance means. It's not one step shy of a wrestling match where you're just like, come do this, come do this, come do this. No, she's going to follow you. You just need to give her a little bit of guidance as to what you're doing. The same thing is true in a godly marriage. The woman is following willingly. She's yielding to the guidance of her husband. He can't, and he shouldn't, be forcing her to dance. No, you're going to do this. No, you're going to do this. That's, that ruins the picture. That's not loving your wife. He should rather be shepherding her through the moves. And I use shepherding because that's a biblical word. In a way that is for her pleasure and for her enjoyment and for their mutual satisfaction. So the analogy breaks down a little bit in this, because when you're actually dancing with a partner, the entire goal of it is to, be, to please your partner, especially as the man. You want to bless your woman. That's like the entire purpose of why you're dancing together. So it's a little different in life because sometimes you're, I mean, your primary goal is to please Christ at all times. And sometimes that might not make her happy. Right, so the analogy breaks down a little bit, but you get the idea. So the dance of marriage requires both partners to be seeking Christ first. Okay, number six. God's natural order is good. The roles of the dance showcase the man's strength and the woman's beauty. It looks good. We both like it. I I am not disappointed that I am not the beautiful star of the dance. I'm not into that. But I do like the fact that I get to lead the dance that I get to dip her and she doesn't dip me, I'm very good with that. I like that. And she likes the fact that she gets to spin and look beautiful and be in my arms and all of that because that's the way God made us to be. So God's natural order, Genesis 1:27, male and female created he them. It's good. It's beautiful. Number seven, 1 John 5, 3. His commandments are not burdensome. It is a lie from hell that God's design is burdensome. God designed men for the versatility of dominion taking. He designed us to master a task and to get good at it and conquer it for his glory. He built men to take a beating. Now, I'm just talking anatomy. I'm just talking physiology here. You look at this in the natural world, Genesis 1.27, male and female created he them. You look at it in the, the physical world, natural law. You look at it in scripture. This is the pattern. God designed men to go out there and fight thorns. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to kill the beasts that would hurt our family. We're supposed to go till the earth. And you can just, you can just look at the physiological design. And that's, it's, it's clear. It's obvious. He made women still with individual gifts, still with individual talents, but with a specialization in design. He designed women to be helpers and homemakers. Now, we're so used to hearing that and going directly to caveats. Yeah, but what about this one lady over here who was a missionary in deepest, darkest Africa? Great. Praise the Lord. God bless her. To her own master, she stands or falls. That's not my point. My point is we should be able to look at the world God has made and say, this is, this is normative and it's good without becoming legalists who are like, no, no, no. We all wear the same thing, do the same thing, believe the same thing. Everybody just does everything the same way because that preserves our righteousness. No, 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 no. We run hard after Christ. But part of running hard after Christ is saying the way God designed the world as a normative thing is good. And I don't feel the need to apologize and caveat about everything that God did. I think it's beautiful. 
So, God designed men for the versatility of dominion taking to go take a beating for the glory of Christ and the protection of their people. He made women with individual gifts and talents, but primarily focused on nurturing, being helpers, and homemakers. You've got to argue with Scripture if you want to argue with that. That's Titus 2.5. It's again and again in Scripture is the exhortation to women. Get married, submit to your husbands, love your kids. God keeps saying that. I'm not going to apologize for him because he knows what he's doing. If we don't like it, the problem is with us. It's biblically and naturally obvious. There is a whole, apparently, there's a whole movement of trad wives now. Traditional wives. That's what trad wife means. Our silly culture constantly making up words. But trad wives, they, this, this, own, this new trending thing on Instagram, apparently, of women who are going back to, I, I, I stay at home, my husband makes the money, I obey my husband, all this stuff. There's this like rediscovery of, oh wow, this actually is kind of cool. This actually is kind of nice. And then you've got the feminists who are responding to that and like, oh, they're regressing into the dark ages. And it's quite entertaining. But it's obvious. It's, it's part of God's design. It's, it's clear in scripture. It's clear in nature. And it's a good thing. It's not something to be apologized for. We have to fight so hard today to think of it as a good thing, to think of it as biblically normative, and also not to go into the legalism. There is an error of legalism. There is an error of, no, 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 any girl that goes to college is a sinner. The Bible doesn't say that. Sorry. Any girl that has a job is a sinner. The Bible doesn't say that. Sorry. He, he, can't, he can't get there. Everybody's got to walk through the biblical principles, embrace what God says is good, without creating fences to keep us all righteous. Because the fences don't keep us righteous. The Pharisees tried that, and Jesus condemned them. Hardcore. Really, really harshly. He called them whitewashed tombs. Now give me a girl that has a, has a job, or went to college, who loves Christ, and embraces godly femininity, over some girl who, followed, who checked all the homeschool trad wife boxes, and is dead inside. No thank you. But we can say that without just chucking the normative that God says is good and beautiful. Now, key in for a second on the entertainment saturation of our age and what that does to us. Because we have a lot of conversations about what men can do and what women can do. And we're so entertainment saturated. Most of our entertainment is action adventure stuff. It's just like all these fighting the bad guys and taking over the things and going out on adventures and explosions and yeah, all this stuff. And so when you're entertainment saturated, you get the idea of this is life. This is actual, cool, exciting life is going out here on all these amazing adventures. And why is it only the men that get to do that? Don't the girls get to do that too? Well, if we're looking at the scriptural and normative pattern, most of these adventures we're talking about warfare. We're talking about extremely dangerous exploits. We're talking about risking your life, etc., so on and so forth. That is a primarily male calling, and that's clear in Scripture. That's clear um, in nature. It's obvious. So most of those things, they really are things that men should be doing. That's not really something that normatively women should be doing. Are there exceptions? Yeah. Does jail kill Sisera? Yeah, she does. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for that lady with the millstone, right? There are exceptions, but the biblical normative is clear. But key in on this, because this is extremely important. We're so entertainment saturated that this... 
this shapes the way we think about normative manhood and womanhood. And it's easy for it to be so frustrating for women. I get it. Because like the, all the, the guys get to do all the fun stuff. Actually, what 98% of men get to do is wake up at 5.15, go work a 12-hour day, come home, do the dishes, do family worship, go to bed, and wake up at 5.15 again. That's normal manhood. There are extremely rare exceptions where you have William Wallace's, and guess what those guys get to do? Die, get drawn and quartered, right? So we're so entertainment saturated that we think, oh, well, it's not really fair that the guys get to have all the fun. What do you mean have all the to have all the fun, do you, do you want to wake up at 5.15 and go work all day in Arizona in July? And then we get in this kind of like this battle of my job's actually harder than your job. Oh, no, 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 no. no. I, I've had to give birth to babies. Oh, yeah, yeah, but you've never had to. That's childish. The point is not who has it harder. The point is it's hard all over. Welcome to life. Welcome to adulthood. Welcome to Christianity. Christianity has come to Jesus and die. You're now a slave of a king who loves you and who gave his life for you. And it's not about you. Amen. It's not about whether I get to do the cool stuff. So we don't need to have, you know, Mother's Day and Father's Day are great as an honoring of mothers and an honoring of fathers. But what they should not be is this pity party of, oh, you poor guy, you have it so hard. You have to get up at 5.15 every morning. You have to, like, I, I'm talking about my job, not because I want everybody to say, oh, wow, Gabe, you're amazing. What a great guy. It's called being a man. It's called taking responsibility. If I don't do it, I'm a loser. It's not, it's not amazing. It's basic Christianity. If I don't do that, I am worse than an infidel. Same thing for a wife. We should honor her, absolutely. But we don't need to have this like fawning deity complex. Oh, you've born children. We worship at your feet. Yeah, yeah God made you to do that. Yes, it's hard. Yes, you've got to get up and nurse the babies. And I appreciate you for that. But it's not a question of, oh, you're, you're, really, you're the amazing one. And I hope that I can live up to your amazingness. In either direction. No. We outdo one another in love. I want to, I want to love you and lay my life down for you. I want, to, I want to submit to you, follow your leadership, bear your children, raise them for the glory of God. And we try to outdo one another. That's the goal. Not to outweigh one another in the balances of who deserves what. That's childishness. No, we lay down our lives for one another. And that is dancing beautifully. That is glorifying to the Lord. That is something that the world's bitter, bitter view of the sexes just can't compare to. So let's get out of the entertainment-saturated idea of what manhood and womanhood looks like. Yeah, usually the, the, the big adventures, yeah, usually those are masculine roles. That's also an extremely small percentage even of men that do that. And most of the ones that do wind up dying of frostbite or, you know, being slain on the battlefield. It's not really all fun and games. So, we got to seek God with the whole heart and not just look for caveats to hide behind. If we're looking for caveats to hide behind, we'll find them. And we'll miss it. We'll miss the beauty. The world cannot refute the beauty of the dance. So we, we must not apologize for God's ways. His ways are good. We must not be bashful of the way God designed it to be. We want to outdo one another in love. We want to run towards what Jesus says is good and beautiful and normative. We let the Lord of the dance call the tune. We let him call the steps. And then we dance and we dance hard. And we dance the way he made us to. And we dance for his glory. Not because primarily all the other dances are bad. 
or because all the other options are off limits, because I'm not allowed to go do modern dancing by myself in the corner. Although that's all true, but primarily because God's ways are good. And why in the world would I want to settle for something less? John 15, 11 as the final reference for that. You can look that up. God's ways are good. Let us delight in his ways. Rejoice in his ways and have a positive vision for what it means to be godly men and godly women. Because it's beautiful. And anything else is just, it's just second best. It's not about condemning the garbage. It's about saying, I have a feast. Why, why, would, I, why would I go over there? Amen. Let us delight in the dance.